being able to play games means that you can intuit and and kind of and figure things out in a way that especially I think now is really important in the world because everything is changing so fast and we're going to have to be have to adapt just to kind of stay afloat. You're listening to In Weird Cities, where we dive into a city's music scene through a series of heart-to-hearts with artists who call it home. It's for those of us who loved getting lost in music magazines, who like listening to the stories of our favorite songwriters, and who want to know where these artists are coming from. Hello, I'm Kara, and I'm so glad you're here with me because I'm going to introduce you to some of my favorite people in the world today. But first, I want to say thank you to all of you. Thank you for listening, for reaching out to me over social media, for suggesting bands to interview, for inviting me to your hometowns. Every kind word has meant so much to me. I actually just got a message on Instagram from someone in Kyoto suggesting I come there next. James, are you out there? I would love to someday. That note felt really serendipitous because we're still talking to bands from Athens, Georgia, but today one of the bands we're talking with is Bit Brigade, a band with a major connection to Kyoto, Japan, in that Kyoto was the birthplace of Nintendo. Now, please don't leave if you're not into video games, because there are few people more fascinating than Noah McCarthy, the gamer who plays on stage with Bit Brigade, and he's here today to talk with us. We've also got Jill Hatstat back to talk about what it's like to be a working band in Athens. And Luke Fields is here. Thank goodness for Luke. He'll be popping in and out throughout this episode. He's the best talker I know. And he can explain how Bit Brigade brings together nostalgic video games and heavy guitar rock. Here's Luke. There's two guitars bass, drums, and a gamer. The gamer sits on stage and does a full playthrough of a classic NES game, something such as uh, Mega Man 2, Legend of Zelda. Um, And then while he's doing a full run of the game live on stage, it's projected on a screen behind us, and then we play the entire soundtrack in real time. So it's sort of video game performance art. It's not really a speed run. It's, you know, typically a speed run is trying to get through the game as quickly as possible, and Noah does go very fast, but it's more about showcasing the entire game and us showing all the music at the same time. So we do full performances of classic NES video games. Okay, does that make sense? That music that you're hearing in the background is the music that they're playing live while Noah actually plays the video game. I've seen them do this several times in front of a packed house at St. Vitus in Brooklyn. The audience is just going nuts and there's really good energy in the room. Because the games are really hard to beat, and every win is so triumphant every time. I talked with Noah about playing with Bit Brigade and the other half of his career as a visual artist. We also talked about the positive impact of video games on his life and his ability to problem solve and build a very satisfying career. And as a parent whose kids have been playing a lot of video games during the current coronavirus shutdown in New York City, this was something that I needed to hear. I needed to know that there was something good coming out of all the screen time. Anyway, I asked Noah how he feels in the hours leading up to each Bit Brigade performance, and this is what he said. I've gotten better with it now, but I I get very nervous. I get kind of just, I guess, I mean, butterflies in my stomach or whatever. Mm -hmm. It is the the closest feeling I, I can relate it to is... 
uh, when I was a kid, when we would play hide and go seek, when I was hiding, I would just get this sick feeling in my stomach. Right, that someone's going to sneak up and find you <laughs> in a very like, startling way. <laughs> uh, and so that is just like in my gut yeah. um, for like, you know, eight or 10 hours before we play. Once I start playing, I kind of get in a zone and mm-hmm. it's really fun. Mm-hmm. And I get to just kind of like exist in in a in a finite world that is is totally dealable. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. It, it all works. It's the math thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it all fits together. I can do these things. I can hit these buttons and make make it work just the way I want to. So yeah. <laughs> do you feel distracted by the people watching you? Because it's usually pretty. I mean, the music's very loud, so maybe that's drowning it out for you. But people are like. Cheering. People are into it. Oh, yeah. No, people get into it. It depends on the show. Uh Uh, And some shows you can see people better than others. So like in a a smaller club, when it's darker, I can't see the crowd that much. Because the setup is that you're you're sitting on the stage facing out. Yeah, I'm facing the crowd. You're facing the crowd. You're watching a screen. But I'm staring at the TV screen. You're staring at the screen. So for the most part, I can't see anything else that's going on. The The light of the screen... Um, kind of like it's uh, hard to see the dark room and yeah, just it, <laughs> to, to explain how it's set up like the screen is also projected behind you so everybody can see everything that's happening are there any like panic times or you just kind of know you're going to beat it you're not there have been panic times yeah there have been bad things that have happened we've been doing this for a while now yeah and so there have definitely been a couple times where things went wrong mm-hmm. uh, in Castlevania games in particular they're very tricky. Uh, and unforgiving. Mm-hmm. Well, one time, actually, the first time our first Castlevania show ever, uh, I got to the final stage and died uh, at a certain part, about halfway through the stage, which is a very bad place to die at. Um, and so it meant that every time I, I I came back and tried to play that area again, I didn't have a special item that I needed, uh, and so I ended up losing all of my lives. I had to kind of like, I remember this happening. I I have like, you know, four lives. I get into this one area, just keep on dying in this one spot because it's just so tricky. And I had to just think to myself, just like, all right, just breathe, calm down, just take this slow. Mm -hmm. And with my last life, I I did it as slow as I possibly Mm -hmm. could. And was just very careful. And I got all the way to the final boss. Uh, with just enough health that if I got hit a single time, I would have died. Mm-hmm. And I got, I got through the first form of the boss, and I got, got through the second form of the boss, and I, I beat him. And I don't remember saying this, but Bryant tells me that I, uh, I turned to him, I looked, at, I look at him, and I go, "You like that?" And <laughs> I just throw the controller on the ground and just walk off the stage. Uh, and, and it was just like. So, yeah, no, so, very terrifying, like, you intense. You beat it, is what you're saying. I beat it. Okay. <laughs> I, beat, I, I beat Dracula, the final boss, okay. uh, without getting hit. Uh-huh. Um, and it was very nerve-wracking. Yeah. But uh, things like that have happened a couple times. Uh-huh. Yeah. But does it feel good when you're doing a good job and it's like... It is or are you kind incredibly of... satisfying. Okay. Um, Especially when you, when I kind of get it like in a zone and I'm just playing the game, I'm not thinking about anything else. Then I can actually enjoy the music a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and just think about the fact that I'm playing video games in front of sometimes thousands mm-hmm. uh, thousands of people uh, and having them all cheer cheer me on and yeah. gasp at any any like crazy thing that might mm-hmm. happen. Um, so it's it's feel it's very special. Yeah. yeah. Uh, did you have a, did you play at the Smithsonian? We did. Uh, I you, think last year we did. Uh, can yeah. you tell me what that was? What the what the show was or what the exhibit we was? We played. I I mean it was it was kind of like a just a they had a video game big exhibit a, exhibit that was mm-hmm. going on. So they had a few different acts, and we played in the concert hall underneath the Smithsonian, uh, and yeah, it was <laughs> it was it was pretty 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 neat. And besides. Besides doing Bit Brigade, you have Studio Pen Pen, which is your what do you call it? Is it a uh, it's your business? Just an art studio. Art studio. Um, yeah, I, it's like a, I guess you call it art collective, but it's only two people. Uh-huh. Uh, but it's just yeah, my my studio partner and I mainly do like fan artwork, just uh, and, and traditional painting. Uh-huh. Um, but it's mostly it's art inspired by by video games and anime and pop mm-hmm. culture mm-hmm. stuff like that. Just uh, but mostly for me, mostly video games. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's all all physical traditional art. I do acrylic paintings. Mm-hmm. Um, also do airbrush and uh, we do like watercolor mixed media. Uh, but everything is all like the original pieces are all. I don't know. There's something about actually creating the physical piece. Right. A lot of a lot of the people, I guess, that do fan art and things like that just do digital artwork, which yeah. is beautiful and really intricate, um, but it just hasn't ever really been my thing. Well, there's something really cool about seeing something from that you recognize from a screen that's like very much handmade, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like that's the interesting thing about it. <laughs> so this is something we've talked about a little bit before, a big topic among moms and dads that I know mm-hmm. is screen time. Yeah. Did you have any limits on it? We would not not a ton really. I was for the most part able to play or watch as much as I wanted like TV uh-huh. uh, or play as much games as I wanted to. And were you playing games a lot? I was playing them a good amount. Do you feel like you had a good balance or you feel like you were like just playing video <laughs> games all the time? <laughs> for me, it was yeah. a good balance because I just wanted to play video games yeah. for most of the time. But I definitely, we, like we played, my brother and I, like mm-hmm. we played with kids in our neighborhood and things like that. We would go out and and play in the woods and, and do stuff. Um, but I spent most of my time thinking about and playing, yeah. or thinking about playing games until I beat them. Right. At times I was bored with them right. and, uh, and yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I mean the thing that I'm kind of getting at is that there's a lot of talk about how problematic it is to be playing video games all the time, but I kind of feel like you're an example from the other side that it's like actually you've made a whole life out of this. This has been yeah. this has been good for your brain. And you know? I well, uh, for me I think one of the key things that it helped me with is adapting. Mm-hmm. Um, because with every new game that you're playing, you're learning a completely new control scheme yeah. and new thought process on how to deal with uh, all kinds of puzzles and problems right. and, and things. And so it's 
being able to play games means that you can intuit and and kind of and figure things out in a way that especially I think now is really important in the world because everything is changing so fast and we're going to have to be have to adapt just to kind of stay afloat. So yeah, I think I think video games have have been very important uh, in my life. You don't have a, a day job, right? This is like this is it. I haven't had do. one for a while. I would say, I guess, I mean, technically for probably about two or three years, I haven't really had one. I cooked um, in a vegetarian restaurant for the probably, grit? Tw- yeah, the grit, yeah. Uh, for about 12 or 13 years. Um, but I, the more uh, I was able to do the Bit Brigade stuff and try to, to work on my artwork, I've just kind of like slowly been weaning uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, off of that job. Uh, so yeah, for a few years now, I've been day jobless. Yeah. I think it's important to note that the, the art projects are not, it's, it's not like a hobby. This is like, you're selling your work. Yes. Yeah. Somehow <laughs> I have, have formed my entire life mm-hmm. and career around, uh, retro video games, um, and retro style video games. And, and the, the music and the artwork involved with them. I love talking with Noah. I love hearing about the space that he's carved out for himself. You know, um, when I was in Athens, I got a little tour of his art studio, Studio Pen Pen, and his home game room. If you're interested, you can take a peek at some pictures of those on my Instagram, at Inward Cities. Now, Bit Brigade is essentially a cover band covering video game music, but several of its members, Jace Bartett, Luke Fields, and Bryant Williamson, overlap with Double Ferrari. That's what you're hearing in the background. Super triumphant, original, instrumental guitar rock with a big heart and a lot of swagger. Speaking of big hearts and big swagger, our next guest is Luke Fields, who plays in Bit Brigade and Double Ferrari and We vs. The Shark, another favorite Athens band of mine that has a new record coming out in June 2020. Anyway, Luke is one of my favorite people, and here he is. So how did you end up in Athens? I moved here to go to school. Um, I didn't particularly want to go to college, but it seemed like it was the thing I was supposed to do. Uh-huh. And I, when I was, especially when I was much younger, I'm not really great at making decisions on what to do next now, but I was really bad at it as a teenager. Uh-huh. And um, I had been to Athens once or twice to visit my aunt because uh, she went to school here for a while. And I uh, looked up to her. She was, you know, she was like the, the youngest adult in my life. Mm-hmm. So I always thought she was super cool. And um, she had this, you know, cool bunch of roommates and a weird, at the time, which seemed like a bohemian magical hippie house, which right now I'd be like, oh, I've lived in places way weirder than that, you know. But <laughs> at the time, as a child, I was like, well, this place has crystals in it, you know. Yeah. I was like, and not the hamburgers, actual crystals. Right, right. Although there probably were some of the tiny hamburgers around too. Yeah. Um, so later in life, we'd come up to see shows, like things like, uh, I remember Upright Citizens, Citizens Brigade did like a show here at the college, and we were like, we love UCB, let's come up in, to Athens When you were in high school? Show. Yeah, when we were in high school. And uh, I actually missed that show because we got lost, the car that I was in. We'd <laughs> taken two cars, and one car managed to find the building that the show was in, and we didn't. So me and my friend Rob just drove around Athens listening to Faith No More and shrugging, going like, well, the show's half over now, so even if we did find it, we shouldn't go, but we'll just figure out how it was when everyone else gets yeah. caught. And so I just kind of enjoyed it fondly, um, or I enjoyed it and had fond memories of it, and it just seemed like the place to go if I was going to pick a school 
in Georgia's because Georgia had at the time, I think they still do as well, a Hope Scholarship Program, which would pay your tuition and a portion of other fees if you had a B average or above when you graduated from high school. So okay. it was like funded through the Georgia lottery that would just like, if you kept yourself and all that money in the state, yeah. we'll pay for a lot of it. Um, so I needed to go to school in state and it was like the closest thing that was interesting to me that was also far enough away from home that I wasn't just going to be living with my parents and just right, seeing them all right. the time and stuff like that. So do you remember when it started to feel like Athens was your long-term home? I can remember, you know, about halfway through Weavers of the Sharks career when we were playing, you know, like an Athens show, like at the 40 watt on a Friday or Saturday night. And I looked out and it was at capacity, like literally bodies piled up to the door and people were screaming and singing along. Cause that's like, you know, during Athens, that's probably somewhere between six and 800 people in the room, mm-hmm. you know, if they're actually at art real capacity. And, um, and the show sold out. They can't let anyone else in. I'm like, everyone came to see my stupid screaming guitar punching band. <laughs> I, this must be okay. It must be okay that I'm doing this. Like sometimes it felt like it was a really dumb idea, and I should have gotten, you know, done a math degree instead of kind of trying to do a journalism degree. Like should have done something that was highly applicable mm-hmm. to making money and affecting change in the world. But I, I just like everyone's singing along, mm-hmm. yo 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 yo, with yeah. us and. It's awesome, and I love it. And yeah. I've also been a lot of places, and had been to a lot of places at that point on tour, and all of them were cool. I like most places that I go for one reason or another, but Athens is the only place that has ever really felt like home, home, where I'm like, I'm okay here. Mm-hmm. All the things and the people that I like are here, and if they're not here, they don't mind coming here to see me occasionally. Great, so. it's true, <laughs> it's totally true. Thanks, Luke. So I have one more friend to introduce you to today, and that is Joel Hatstadt of High Jump Media. He recorded all these interviews and plays in Cinemechanica and Pegasus's XL, and he came to Athens from afar with the plan to start a band and ended up really making a life for himself here. He takes us through the nuts and bolts of what makes Athens such a convenient town for a musician to live in. I'm from New Jersey, uh, and Mike Albany's the drummer from mm-hmm. Cinemechanica and Bit Brigade and Maserati um, is also from New Jersey. And we've known each other since 1993. And uh, basically we graduated high school and, you know, the long and short of it was that we wanted to go somewhere and make a band, you know, and we didn't, um, we didn't know where that was going to be. We almost moved to San Diego at a point because we were really into drive like Jehu. Yeah. And, uh, that was the kind of music we were into. And we we're like, uh, you know, we wanted to be in some sort of math rocky weirdo rock band. And, you know, just luck would have it that in college, Mike's freshman year dorm room was across the hall from Bryant Williamson's, who's guitar player in Cinemechanica and Bit Brigade and Double Ferrari, uh, et cetera. Um, and then another guy that ended up being in Cinemechanica for a long time, the other guitar player, singer Andy Pruitt, um, was from Georgia. So he said, hey, how about Athens? And mm-hmm. we just like came down here one time and visited one weekend. And we were like, oh, that was awesome. <laughs> we went to a show, a punk show. Yeah, do you remember we who it just, was? It was- uh um, where it was? Uh, it was at Tasty World, which is no longer around. Um, and I believe it was a, this bike is a pipe bomb show. Okay. And it was like something I wasn't used to, but it was just like rowdy and it was punk and it was like, 
Um, it was really cool. It was just a good energy. Yeah. yeah. So we were like, oh, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. And it was like way awesome compared to anything I had been exposed to before. Yeah. You know, in, especially in New Jersey. We went to shows, you know. Mm-hmm. We would go down to the Stone Pony and see like punk shows. And we would go in New York and see like sea shows and stuff. But as far as playing them, like nobody wanted to, you know, we didn't know what to do. We didn't know who to talk to. We didn't know who to, how to book ourselves. And we didn't really like have a, a network or like-minded bands or anything yeah. at the time. So so what was different about that Tasty World show that you came to? There was time you came to visit? just a community of people that seemed like like-minded that were energized and into the show. And um, it was just something that like, that, you know, it seemed like that communal spirit existed mm-hmm. and we could... Uh, you know, hey, maybe if there's all these people at this show, why wouldn't why couldn't we do that? You right. know what I mean? Like that feeling of opportunity, basically. Uh, I think was just pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. camaraderie. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot of infrastructure here. There's a limited number of venues, but there's sort of a venue for every one of those subgenres. You know, the forty watt uh, tends to have like the more mainstream, I would say, rock and roll. Um, or country rock, whatever you want to call it, bands. And the Caledonia tends to have the more punk and more local, um, the more scrappy kind of more DIYers. And the Georgia Theater has the more like commercially mainstream, um, you know, and the world famous does um, a lot of hip hop nights and and they have a lot of um, smaller, scrappier bands and, and, you know, if you need to, I guess what I'm saying is if you need to like find a place to play, you can do that. And there's something that sort of fits your genre, which is great. Um, and as far as like people that'll play on your album, there's a million, you know, if you need that. As far as different recording studios, there's an endless supply. People that can make a great recording for you, there's an endless supply. Um it's all there, you know? So I think that's a important thing about Athens too, is that it's a creative place with a lot of different people making music, but it's also um, a place where people have created jobs for themselves based on that, that also help perpetuate it. So whatever you need, t-shirts, like publicists, it's all it's all here so joel has carved out a career for himself by starting high jump media a mastering and recording company that he runs out of a state-of-the-art studio in his backyard we recorded all these interviews there and noah of course has made a life for himself as a gamer and artist but most athens musicians touring musicians especially younger artists tend to pick up work between tours luke has some experience with that so your main thing mm-hmm. is playing in bands. Yes. But you pick up work in between, mm-hmm. partly for income, partly for human interaction. Yeah, socialization. Yeah. I like to call it, um, I have to go on walks. If I don't go on walks, I will tear up the couch like a puppy. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and those jobs kind of, you do you ever like go on tour and come back to the same job or that's not really how it works? Almost always. Almost yeah. always? I okay. I typically work at one place for a while. My first job in Athens, I worked at for two and a half years at a burger restaurant. 
Then I worked for seven years at the same vegetarian restaurant, um, mostly managing. And then from there, I worked for another six years at a craft beer bar, mostly managing. I just like to pick a job and make myself valuable there to where when I'm like, hi, I'm going to be gone for three weeks. And I'll be back for a week. Then I'll be gone for four weeks. Then I'll be back for two weeks. And I'll be gone for a week again. I'm sorry, but this is what I'm like. They're like, okay, well, that's inconvenient, but we like having you around. So when you come back, there's still a job. Yeah. Um, and typically I've been able to get away with that for a while, an, an average of six years. Yeah. <laughs> before someone's I know. like, yeah, you're going to have to not do that anymore. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to have to not have this job anymore. So mm-hmm. bye. But it's typically the same thing. And with the same job that I just got now, I'm hoping that, you know, we had that talk where I was like, this is going to be my second job. I really want to work here and help you guys out. But you have to know that my first job, which is what I'm here to do, is make music and perform for people. That's my first job. And that takes precedent. And if, that job gets in the way of this job, I'm always going to pick my first job. And I don't want you guys to be upset if something like that happens and I have to leave because the two things become in- incompatible. It just It's nothing personal. That's just what I do. Mm-hmm. And if you, I find that if you lay that out on the line for people, it's really hard for them to get mad at you about it later without seeming like a jerk. And as long as you're honest, people are usually pretty accommodating if you do a good job in places. So that's how I've managed to fill the clock between tours and stuff. I have, I'm not financially well off as a result of it you know i do okay you own a home i own a home yeah it's nice for now (laughs) (laughs) for now no one has managed to take away yeah you have a you have a practical car Mm -hmm. and a very impractical Mm -hmm. monster truck like car (laughs) it's a lot of fun seems like i'm doing okay it seems like you're doing okay um my tv's flat you had a giant TV. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, my, I had my TV you, flat it was great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can buy groceries and stuff, right? Yeah. I, I mean, that's most of my life is driven by, if not the pursuit of immediate uh, or long-term physical happiness or long-term happiness in general by doing the things that I love. Short-term happiness is achieved for me through the ingestion of food. So yes. yeah, yes. I spend a lot of money on that, definitely. Yeah. Bit Brigade had to cancel their spring 2020 tour due to coronavirus. So if you want to put food on Luke's table, you can buy their records, their t-shirts at bitbrigade.com. Today, you also heard music from Double Ferrari, We vs. the Shark, Cinemechanica. This right now is You in Weird Cities, used with permission from Jeff Rosenstock. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks to Noah, Joel, and Luke. Also, Michelle, Marcy, and Lydia. And to the rest of the crew, Jace, Ryan, Mike, and Bryant. Joel said something off mic like without Bryant Williamson this whole Athens guitar rock scene would just sink into the sea Um, thank you also to my friend Mike Miranda who's been helping me put this together he listened to a rough draft of this episode and immediately went to see uh, Big Brigade show that week that is what I want I want everyone to support these bands they need their fans now more than ever thanks again for listening if you'd like to get in touch, the best place to find me is at In Weird Cities on Instagram. I'd love to hear from you, and I'll catch you next time. Bye!